Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. It's Kingdom Cast's Pool List and WandaVision update for the week of January 26, 2021. Welcome back to Pool List, where we suggest and point out things that you might need to be aware of so you can slap it on your pool list before Wednesday. Joining us once again is Sandra, great little seafood place swindle. I'm Stan Daniel. With me, as always, is Albert Marsh. So, Albert. Yeah. They announced the spring slash summer event for Marvel. Did either of you see that? Unfortunately. Yes. Sadly. Heroes Heroes Reborn. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that a title that they hired Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and half of the image crew to do about 20 years ago? All I remember was Iron Man had exhaust pipes on his shoulders. <laughs> This is once again a man thing situation because they're celebrating the 25th anniversary or some nonsense like that or the 20th anniversary of Heroes Reborn. If you're a truly crappy event, then you get an anniversary miniseries Didn't slash. We just having an Atlantis Attacks book. <laughs> That was not an anniversary thing. That was an Agents of Atlas book that got in under a stealth Atlantis attacks thing. So I'm going to read a brief synopsis here on what Heroes Reborn is about. Legion, Xavier's son, travels back in time, accidentally killing Xavier, creating a timeline where... What? What? What are you talking about, Stan? The X-Men never existed? No, that's not in synopsis of like Inferno or something like that. That's wrong. Wait, that's, that's not it? It was Age of Apocalypse. I know what I said, and I know what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's not it? That's a crappy X-Men event, not a crappy line-wide event. Try it again. Try it again. All right. All right. Reality gets rebooted in order to save it. And in place of your normal heroes, witness the rise of the amalgam heroes, such as That's maximum security. (laughs) God! The event you didn't even remember existed. (laughs) All right. Well, let me try this. Quote, no more mutants, end quote. With those three words, the Scarlet Witch wipes out. That's DC Legends. (laughs) Well, okay. Is it this one? Because you demanded it. The two greatest superhero teams in history collide in Justice League Avengers, a four-issue epic. No, that doesn't sound right. No, No, that's Superman, (laughs) Spider-Man. Well, let me try this one. 40 years ago, Chris Claremont and John Byrne created a storyline that literally brought comics into the mainstream and inspired a fandom that took their love of comics and turned it into a worldwide phenomenon. And now modern writers can't seem to create one single original idea, so we go back to the Claremont and Byrne well and trot out the Phoenix because why waste effort and creativity? Now, is that more in line with what Heroes Reborn is supposed to be. I think that the instigator of the new modern Heroes Reborn. I swear, Jason Aaron is either on the take from DC Comics or he's messing with us all on purpose to see how far he can go before somebody says, stop it. Maybe Jason Aaron is the real Pamela Lifford, though. (laughs) 
think he's I don't think he's that. He may be taking money from her, but I don't I get the feeling that he wants to actually write some DC stuff because I'm sure why I'm in sure God's name would you want to write an event featuring Squadron Supreme? This is I mean, it's putting like, Squadron Supreme on and off in this. If you want to write Squadron Supreme, you need to just go to DC and write Justice League. I don't think it's much of a secret. I do believe Jason prefers the DC heroes, but because of the management and the way they handle things at DC, Marvel is much more lucrative for him. I really do believe that he's just just tired of writing the comics because this, the Heroes Reborn event, is literally an amalgam of everything that I just read. The Age of Apocalypse, the Justice League Avengers, the Age of Amalgam comics, which spring from Marvel versus DC. All of this, every aspect of that storyline, it just has been done before. I'm way dreading this event. You can't criticize something that you've only seen an advertisement and read a little blurb for. Did you see that picture? of Dr. Doom. I don't even Dr. want to talk Jugnerate. about it. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, you can criticize it. that. I don't want to talk about it. I it's just pretty cool. The Silver no. Witch. It was not a year ago that they had the last Infinity story where they made mesh-ups of the Marvel heroes. Yeah. This is not looking good. It feels like we're being served leftovers from the past 40 years. They're not even cooked correctly. They were, were just supposed to throw it in the microwave, reheat it. Yeah, you're in because it's an event. And we got Ed McGinnis drawing it. And Ed McGinnis makes everything look good. Well, he does. Well, no, I'm not knocking Ed McGinnis. He does. The artwork looks great. It's the Here, concept. Here's my, here's my problem with Jason there. And it's the same problem I have with Jeff Lemire. Both those writers are great writers. When they do superhero books because they love superheroes and want to do superhero books, it's just that their talents and their writing aren't really suited for those books. I like Jason Aaron on Thor. It went a little long, but by and large, those were good Thor stories, especially the opening and the ending, the God War thing. Yeah. Those were masterpieces. I liked Jason Aaron on Punisher. I liked Jason Aaron on Wolverine. I liked Jason Aaron on the three issues of Black Panther he did way back when. But th- that seems like a completely different Jason Aaron than is on the Avengers currently. He's not writing to his strengths. He's writing Grant Morrison's Justice League is what he's writing. Oh, no, he's not. He's not coming close. Grant Morrison's Justice League was seminal. If a well-read superhero comic book fan pick the top three team books of all time, mm-hmm. I think you'd probably have Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four, Claremont and Burns X-Men, and Morrison and Porter's Justice League. I think that's solid. Those three runs, are they're a different level. Yes, they are. Aaron's trying to get up on the Morrison level, but he's just... Oh my throw, gosh. He keeps, throwing that, he keeps throwing the ball and missing the hoop. It's just been one rehash after another. I just... No, I don't think he's doing anything seminal, and, and it's just a mess. You can look at that commercial and everything I called out, everything I read the blurb to, that's where he's pulling from, House of M. Uh, we got that. Let's see. Justice League Avengers. We got that. But that may be on purpose. That was probably by design, I would assume. As for the timing of this, they just handed us the ending to the current Phoenix storyline. Phoenix destroys the world and then remakes it. No need to read another issue. Phoenix destroys the world. That's the end of the current Avengers storyline. I, I get the feeling more. It's not going to be a line-wide thing. I think it's just going to be kind of an alternate universe thing. Seems to me it may 
heavily involved in Fisto. They point blank said that the Phoenix destroys the world and then remakes it without the Avengers. What does that mean? You think Hickman is going to want his carefully crafted plan? Okay, uh, here's my highest hope. Here's my highest hope. No, that's not what's happening. Here's my highest hope for Heroes Reborn, that it completely leaves Hickman's X stuff alone and Immortal Hulk, Kate's on Thor completely alone. That anything they do is self-contained and in specials. Yeah, not, not messing with the mainstream comics. Not, we're destroying the world again, just like we did in Secret Wars, and rebuilding it. To me, it's more like, here's an alternate universe where this would happen. Or It's closer to it's Age a, of Apocalypse. Like, and like the way I said, it looks like they're it's a it wonderful up. life. This is what would happen. I don't see that it being something it, that's actually going to destroy. If I had to guess at what the setup was, is you'd have the main series, Heroes Reborn, and then the titles that are not doing well, the titles that are not masterpiece titles like Thor and Hulk, you'll have crossovers in Captain America, crossovers in Iron Man, and then you'll have specials, Wolverine and Alpha Flight, or whatever they're going to do there. Marvel's really knocking it out of the park on several books, and I'm just hoping those books completely ignore this event. They did that with Age of Apocalypse. Only the X books were affected. Remember that? Mm -hmm. It was just, they stopped the X books, but Fantastic Four, Avengers, and Spider-Man all went on as normal. That's got to be this. They cannot interrupt what Cates oh, no. is doing on Yeah, Thor. they're not going to. They're going to mess with anybody's stuff. Yeah. Some character just mentions something offhandedly in a book for one line, and that's it. I have to read this to you, though. He has a blog, I think, called Crushing Crisis or Crushing Comics. But he says this. I'm literally laughing out loud on this on so many levels. Marvel's worst book is spitting off a title about what life would be like without its worst book. But made by the same creators who are making its worst, it the worst book. And with the title of one of its worst events of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and that about sums it up <laughs> but made by the same creators who are making it the worst book <laughs> that is perfect that is exactly why i'm like oh hell no i'm not buying or reading this <laughs> please I, I god mean, perfectly sums it up that's right it's Marvel's worst book spit it off title about what life would be without the worst book <laughs> <laughs> and that was from crushing crisis with a k yeah on twitter he is crushing comics website is crushingcrisis.com. what is he on twitter crushing comics Okay, well, let's get to the pool list for the week. We're going to make recommendations and take some risks. And I started last week. Sandra, you want to start this week? Yes, I am. <laughs> Before somebody else grabs up my book. <laughs> well, my three recommendations are for King and Black Namer, number three. King well, and Black Namer, number three. And King of Black Namer, number three. Well, actually, there's only two variant covers, so I guess I better pick something else. I'll pick Captain Marvel 25 because they're hopefully finishing up this Ove, who is the Enchantress and Namer's son. So that issue's coming out. And I'll also pick from Image Monstrous by Lou and Takeda. So those are the three that you think that people need to be aware of? Yes. King and Black Namer. Number three, which has two covers, which you can pick up. They're very pretty. Captain Marvel, number 25, which is hopefully the end of this alternate future with Enchantress and Namor's son. And then Monstrous with Marjorie Liu and Santa Takeda. Cool beans. 
my three picks are, and Stan's going to hate all of them. Well, he's going to say hey, he's going to hate two of them because they're all three DC books. The first one is Superman versus Imperius Lex. It is written by Mark Russell, who wrote The Flintstones. He wrote Snagglepuss like Chronicles, and he wrote Second Coming. Okay, well, I like the Flintstones. On most of the future state books that I'm seeing pop up this week, other than Dark Detective, yeah, I'm open. Yeah, I'm pretty much reading it from Mark Russell. His Flintstone stuff was so great. The Snagglepuss was great. Most of Second Coming was really good. It sort of lost us at the end there for me and Stan. But the next one is the finale of The Last God. Oh, book yeah. One, book one of the Fire Chronicles, issue 12. It's the finale of that. That's been great since issue one, and I look forward to reading it every week. Here's the one Stan's going to hate. My last one is based entirely on the art. I can't stop reading it because of Mitch Gerard's art and Evan Shaner, and that is Strange Adventures number eight. King. (laughs) Yeah. The Last God, that's been a great book. It has. It's been solid the whole run. They've not lost me one step of the way. And it may be one of the best sword and... If you want to call it a sword and sorcery, or we'll say a fantasy comic, it could be one of the best fantasy comics ever made. I mean, really, really, really is. 12 issues, even with the delay from COVID, it doesn't seem like we're up to 12 issues on it. But that's been a great book. Yep. My recommendations for the week, it goes without saying that I'd recommend X-Men number 17, which is written by Hickman and Brett Booth is on an X book again. Now, I'm not counting that as one of my three recommendations. I'm counting on you, the listener, just to know that that's a given. Hickman's been great on X-Men and Brett Booth is on the art. So that one's a must have. But my three recommendations that I think you need to be on the lookout for are Batman Black and White, done by various writers and various artists. The last one, we said repeatedly, if you buy it for no other reason than the art in it, then it's well worth your money. I expect at least the same to be true of issue number two of Batman Black and White. My next recommendation is not going to come as a shock either. Department of Truth number five by James Tynan IV and Martin Simmons. Department of Truth has been an extraordinary book, a great mind bender, and I look forward to every issue. And if you haven't picked it up or checked it out, please do take the time to do so. Department of Truth is a real kick-ass book. I was going to pick that one, but I decided to let you have it. It's kind of you. See, I got backups too. My final pick is Savage Avengers number 17 by Jerry Dugan and Kev Walker. Jerry Dugan is an outstanding character writer. He understands the Marvel characters. He understands their motivations. And I have yet to see anybody throw a character at him that he didn't get or couldn't write the dialogue for. Savage Avengers has been a fun book. I consider it the standard Avengers book while all the Jason Aaron stuff is going on. It's one of my favorites. I look forward to it every month. How is that an Avengers book? It's Savage Avengers. It's got the name Avengers in it. Yes, Sandra. That doesn't make it an (laughs) Avengers book. It's a Conan team-up book. And there's There's not a Conan team-up book. He's not in every issue. Yeah, he is. No, there was one with just Strange and Elektra. There's been a couple where he's not in every issue, and he's not always played up either. Listen, listen, Sandra and Stan, if we can have prehistoric Avengers, oh, God. We can have have Conan as an Avenger. I can feel my blood pressure going up. I mean, it it may be a good book, but it's not an Avengers book. It's a Conan team-up book got Savage Avengers on it. Jerry Dugan's writing it. It's making far more sense than the Avengers book. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, when Ben destroyed Avengers, it was mostly a Jessica Jones team-up book. Those last few new Avengers became Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's second and third books. That's fine, but we already had them in two other books that we could have caught up with them on. When I'm reading a team book, I'd like to see some team in it. Savage Avengers is a great book. Check it out. Sandra, what are the two you're willing to take a chance on this week? Is that a new issue of we only... Well, that's not really taking a chance. We only find them when we're dead. Well, yeah, you can recommend it. I'd, I'd recommend it. Okay. I was surprised y'all didn't pick it. I avoided it because I thought one of you would. That's a good book. I want to point that one out. Cycle of the Red Moon. That's from Dark Horse. It's a trade... Yeah, I may try that. It's a trade, and it's apparently the volume two, so I guess I have to find volume one. It's called Cycle of the Red Moon, The Children of Darkness by Jose Antonio Cotrina. I may try that. It looks like a fantasy. Now, magic is on their side. It's their turn to shine, but mysteries remain. What makes them so special to the kingdom? What is the significance of the Red Moon? The time has come for Hector and the rest of the children from Earth to leave the safety of their tower behind and get some answers. And no vampire sorcerer or creature can stop them. Meanwhile, an evil older than the kingdom has awakened. That looks fun. (laughs) Albert, what are your two risk picks? One's not a risk pick. Issue two of the other history of the DC Universe number two comes out. Uh I would like to see where they go with the story. Yeah, that's solid. I was looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. I should have swapped other history in, in Superman versus Imperium Lex. I didn't do that. It's a comic book, but it's more of a book with words than a comic book, I guess you could say. Yeah. The other one is I'm going to go back and try it out because issue two came out and I never noticed issue one because issue one, apparently it came out in June of last year and they are reprints of old comics from the 1960s by Sam Glansman and it's called Kona, Monarch of Monster Isle. Looks like a pretty cool old comic. It does retail, I believe, for $9.99. Is well, that kind of like a Kazar? I don't know. I've never heard of it. But the art okay. looks really great on it. Uh, strange hero known only as Kona, saving the lives of Dr. Henry Dodd, his daughter Mary, and his grandchildren after this group crashes their army surplus blimp on the prehistoric Pacific island that Kona calls home. Befriending them, Kona becomes their protector Saving them from giant animals, monsters, and much more. Wow. This book could also be highway robbery because it's 10 bucks and it may just be a 32-page comic. I cannot find the page count. I'm going to give it a shot. My two risks are something is Killing the Children, number 14, and that's by James Tynan IV, art by Werther Deladera. It's actually been a fairly solid book. There's been a couple of slow issues to it, but overall, I've been enjoying this book. So that's something you may want to look into. You may want to take a look at. My second risk pick is actually based on Sandra and Albert hyping up issue number one, the last review, whereas I was not as hot on it, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give number two a try, and that is Post-American number two, written by Steve Scrose and art by Dave Stewart. Mostly, I think the art appealed to y'all. It had very, very good art. Yeah, the art appealed to me, mm-hmm. too. I, I was just I was just kind of, eh, do I really need another apocalyptic America comic? Steve Scrose may have some problems, though. But it's just a weird-ass comic. Those are my two picks for the week. Well, are y'all ready to discuss... WandaVision. WandaVision. Sure. So episode three came out and it's entitled Now in Color. I was having bad Brady Bunch flashbacks. This was this was a bad episode. <laughs> I don't 
don't think it was a bad episode at all. This was a pretty dang good. And you're meant to have Brady Bunch flashbacks. I mean, that backyard was almost an exact replica. But staircase. The staircase, the interior to the house, the bricks, the furniture. I'll tell you one thing I didn't like about this. I did not like the super speed thing. I thought, what the heck is going on here? I was okay with it. The doctor said it was like we were flying. So they were flying. No, no. There was super speed. You didn't see him. Uh, No, I saw super speed when he hit the door and took off. There was super speed several times. Yeah, with the vision. But you can just write that off to him being a robot. I don't think he's faster than Pietro. Well, they portrayed him as fast as Yeah, but we don't uh, know where the, for all we know, this is all taking place in Wanda's head. No, we know it's not taking place in Wanda's head. No, we don't. Yeah, we Yeah, we do. know that. She kicked Monica Rambeau out. Right. Out of her dream world. Yeah, but that's, she's commandeered a town. Did Vision not get that dude from the beach? No, he did not get the no, dude from the no, beach. He, he got him from left. a block over. Mm-hmm. He had left. How was somebody vacation? He said he was they going would, on vacation. Oh, okay. It don't matter. It was he terrible. Get caught. It wasn't terrible. If this episode get, was better, I would have paid attention more. He couldn't get his Cadillac started. At the end, after you see the babies are okay and all, the doctor looks at Vision and it gets real serious and he says, you know these small towns, escape is almost impossible. You can't really escape from it. But it's a very serious note. Just like Herb at the beginning of the episode is trimming his hedges, but he cuts into the brick wall. And that seems odd to Vision. I mean, it is odd, but Herb is glitching out. So we now have the answer that she's commandeered a whole real town called Westview. But I thought it was all Mephisto and Satan. It is. I still stand by that. I still stand by Mephisto. Because them dudes at the end didn't look like demons. Looks like dudes in government uniforms. Are are you having you you understand that there's several aspects to this, right? Well, if there is, they're doing a bad job with it. Sword is set up outside of the town of Westview. They're not going to tell you everything in one episode. They're playing this out. Sword is set up outside of Westview because somehow, some way, Wanda's formed a bubble around it. We see that bubble when Monica Rambeau gets thrown out. And if you look real closely where she breaks the bubble, has her body's leaving Westview, you will see the reverse fonts in television script that say WandaVision, if you pause and look at that. So that entire bubble is under her delusion. Let me ask you this, Sandra, last week you were saying that she wasn't a willing participant. Has your point of view changed on that? I still think something is being done to her. She has bought into, like what you said. She's bought into the lie. Right. But I think there's something that is making her do that. She's being manipulated, but to a degree, she's a willing participant. Just like when Monica Rambeau snapped out of it when Wanda was talking about her brother, Pietro, and Monica was suddenly clear and remembered Ultron. You've got to hand it to Tayona Paris, who plays Monica Rambeau in this. You've really got to give it to her. She's doing a fine line with the character of Geraldine and Monica Rambeau because she is a completely different person when she snaps out of it, even for a few seconds. Her mm-hmm. demeanor, her voice, everything. She's really knocking it out of the park on that. But the fact that Monica Rambeau was able to recall Ultron and she brought up Pietro. So I'm willing to bet that we get Quicksilver next episode. How many episodes does this show? I think it's eight. I think, yeah, they're going to have to do something by episode four. Episode four will be Quicksilver. I'm willing to bet. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm willing to bet. A couple of other things was I kept trying to look at the brooch that Agnes who 
we believe is Agatha Harkness is wearing. And I know we saw three figures on it, but the middle figure looked like they were on a stake or something else. There's a couple of people online that are suggesting that the middle figure is actually death with a scythe and that the two on either side yeah, of but it, are Wanda's children. Oh, and, you meant death. Death, death, not yet. the character Grim Reaper for some reason. I don't know why I thought well, that. It, this, they're suggesting that it's death because it looks like the middle one is holding a scythe. And it could be. Then they're suggesting that's making them suggest Grim Reaper. And I don't think that's going to materialize. No, with Grim I, Reaper, you'd have to get Simon. Yeah. I think the brooch is more likely to be the three fates. I think that's closer to it. Sandra, did you like the episode or were you with Albert? I'm starting to lose my patience with it. I think the conceit of the sitcom is getting old. Well, the issue is the people that are making the show think they're clever and original and they're not. Well, let's see. We had two Brady Bunch movies that did this better. Then you had that movie Pleasantville who did this better. Keep in mind, this is MCU. These are actual. Their main target here is not to mimic the sitcoms as much as it is to further the story of Wanda and the vision and get the rest of the MCU going into phase four. Yeah, but if the whole framing of the show is redos of sitcoms, they got to do that properly. I think they are doing it. Just doing a flat version of the sitcom stuff, just it it doesn't work at all for this show. I think it's working fine. I think it can get old if we don't start moving past it, say, by the fifth episode. For the love of God, he's diapering Katie Carryall, Cindy's doll from the Brady Bunch. So. You didn't know who Katie Carey. You went silent. That means that you no you don't cares, know enough about yeah, the Brady Bunch. Why does that matter? <laughs> it's just it's just another reference for another YouTube video and that someone's going to make and be like, "Did you get these references in one division? I bet you didn't, because you're an idiot." Some of the references I recognize Katie Carey all right off the bat. I remember the episode with Bobby being a detective. But you just can't have references upon references upon references. You've got to have you, some type of substance. It does have substance. You've got to have some type of deep for meaning or something, and none, and none of it's there. I think it is there. The whole scene between her, Geraldine slash Monica, when Monica had snapped out of it and mentioned Ultron and brought Wanda out of it, I thought that was very solid. I thought that was very well done. But there's nothing more to that than just that. Well, then she gets kicked out. Also, somehow, rather, Hydra or AIM has something to do with this. Well, the commercials are very Hydra. Well, yeah, they've mentioned Hydra more than they've mentioned anything else. They keep using the AIM Pentagon? No, it's Octagon. They keep using the AIM octagon symbol in it. They use it to open up in the theming of the Brady Bunch, but instead of squares, they're using that octagon. That octagon's appearing everywhere. So somehow or other, AIM's tied to this, probably in association with Hydra. But like the Hydra commercial, Calgon, take me away. But instead, it's Hydra. AIM is not an octagon. I was about to say, I don't know what you're talking about, AIM's octagon. You're talking about a hexagon. A hexagon. I thought it had eight sides. That's why I was saying octagon. I don't I don't think no, it had eight aim, sides. Aim, aim doesn't have eight sides. It's got six. Okay. All right. I but guess. they're still using it. AIM has I a hexagon? Mis- well, that would make sense. Hexagon. I miscounted. I thought it had eight sides. So that w- that's my bad. Yeah, AIM symbol, symbols the hexagon. Well, to that point, Jody wrote in and said, 
I know AIM is not necessarily on the MCU radar after Iron Man 2, but the beekeeper suit is just too on the nose for the old joke about the AIM scientist in yellow uniforms. The sword logo on the back may be a hint of them working together at this point to contain whatever madness Wanda has accidentally unleashed in her attempt to get Vision back. And that was from Jody. So Jody kind of agrees with you, Sandra. You thought it was a AIM agent coming up out of the sewer, out of mm-hmm. the manhole. It could be. But he's got the sword logo on, just like Monica. Nah, it's all devil just like, worship. <laughs> just like Monica Rambeau has the sword logo on her necklace. How is it devil worship? It's all Satanism. Well, if it's Mephisto, then it is devil worship, don't you think? Yeah, I still stand by the theory that Mephisto is coming. <laughs> I enjoyed the episode. I think they've moved it forward at a fine pace. I appreciate what they're doing. This is not supposed to be played as much for laughs as it's supposed to be eerie and a bit discerning. I agree with you, Albert. Both of the Brady Bunch movies was a far better farce than this is being. But the farce is not the intent and not the main point here. I do think they're getting their story across well at the same time. And they're having a little bit of fun while doing it. Well, I'm glad somebody's having some fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, thankfully, this is not the worst thing I've seen this week. (laughs) What's the worst thing you've seen this week? You know, Stan, this movie you made us watch. Oh, come on, come on, Albert. That was not as bad as, what the heck was that awful time travel? Are we talking about Vivarium tonight or later? Oh, we can talk about it now, Vivarium. I just wanted y'all to watch it. I didn't even, I didn't even really have it plugged into a schedule. (laughs) Dude, we'll talk about it. Well, I mean, we almost had an hour. How? how? Uh, 90 minutes. Well, how long do you want pull list to be? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, pull list is supposed to be around 30 minutes. We're at okay. an hour mark, so we'll do it t- tomorrow night. All right. Well, that's going to round things up. We'll be back with you later this week with our regular podcast episode. Thank you so much. Our last episode, Ace the Bat Hound's 66th anniversary (laughs) celebration. It got great numbers. We appreciate that greatly. Y'all are really helping us out. Please do like us, give us five stars, share us with friends. Let us hear from you, not just on WandaVision, but on anything regarding comics, movies, anything you want to send us and talk to us about. KingdomCasts, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com, KingdomComics at gmail.com, KingdomCasts and Kingdom Comics on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We greatly appreciate it. We'll be back with you in two or three days. Albert, you got anything to say to him before then? No. <laughs> Except don't, don't, don't take movie recommendations from Stan. <laughs> that did not come across as a recommendation. That came across, we're going to be talking about this. Because if it was a recommendation, I would not have made the special trip to pick up this DVD. I'd just go, mm-hmm. <laughs> you made a special? I'm sorry, but we're going to be talking about Vivarium on the next podcast, at least briefly. Where did you make a special trip to? I went to the library, the other library. So I could have it for this week, for tonight. Oh, it don't count. You didn't even pay for it. Of course I didn't pay for it. He says, I thought Amazon Prime. It's like, dude, oh, I yeah, don't have I Amazon had to pay Prime. for Amazon Prime to watch this movie. <laughs> the movie that they're highly recommending you watch is Vivarium. We'll talk about it some on the yeah, next podcast. not highly recommending you watch that. Well, we're going to wrap this episode up, and we'll see you in a couple of days. Until then, stay safe, and thank you so much. Tell them good night, guys. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. Nighty night, everybody. Talk to you later. Yeah.
Podcasts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. Mr. <laughs> 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 <laughs>